0: Um. So let me start with a question. What do you guys currently miss about church? And when I say church, I mean like going to church, like the church building. I would say the com- camaraderie and just being around different people.
1: Cool. I agree with Tyler there. I think... I don't know how much I miss it. Part of me misses Pathfinders, but not greatly misses Pathfinders.
0: Pathfinders.
2: Um, For me, I I guess, like, I I still get the message from a sermon, but I guess that intimacy when you're actually kind of there and Mm. you see the person preaching. I do miss that sometimes.
3: Yeah. Probably lunch lunch time, not for the food, but like the fellowship over the food. When you're talking about the sermon and like things that are going on, i like, do it mm. in the week. Cool, cool.
0: All right. Um, I think I said um, said the music. So it's a good one. I was thinking about it yesterday. Um, I was thinking. Well, I, I had, I've had a couple of conversations about what it's going to be like to go back to church after all of this is, you know, over and all COVID has kind of gone and churches are back open and what it will be like on the Sabbath and, and what it will be like to go back and see everyone, etc. And um, I was thinking about what I actually missed about church and the biggest thing I thought of was communion. Now, because obviously, I don't, well, I don't know like what's been going on in terms of the the church services that have been happening, etc. But um, obviously, you know whether you you know you're doing foot washing or eating bread and wine from home, or if that's even happening, or whether people haven't had communion since this started or whatever. But I definitely haven't. So um, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, like haven't had communion in about. Six months. Um, and so it made me think. I mean, what does communion point to to you guys? Like, what do you think about communion?
1: Communion's always been kind of a uh... weird one for me because personally I had just when I was little it didn't make sense to me why everyone's starting to get their dry out in church and I've seen some dry feet in church compared to other places like it was serious and at first that put me off communion I thought I couldn't do it because I don't even know if people are washing their feet before they come to communion and that used to be a big issue for me however I think at the moment I have come to understand it a bit more for being about the connection that we gain to God, rather than the actions that we commit towards other people. I wasn't a big person who partook of communion anyway, but I I see the relevance more for it now, and I guess I probably would partake now, however, I'm doing so with a different mindset. Yeah, Okay. I don't know.
2: I guess reflecting on the sacrifice of Christ, really, um, in terms of taking the bread and the wine slash grape juice, um, taking that moment to pause and just reflect on how much of a big deal it was for Jesus to actually do what he did. And mm. that's, that, that's, that's, that, that's what communion means to me, that aspect, anyway.
0: in the comments again saying I think uh, of it as a humbling process and um, it reconnects you with your creator in Christ Um, and so yeah I agree Um, I'm right there with with Michael in terms of um, it really pushed like God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice um, into view a lot more uh, maybe more than it does most Sabbaths and it, I know people call it a mini baptism. Um, but it did give you a chance to have that chance to reflect to maybe say, Well, is is my life go like is my, my is my life with Christ going with all right? How is our relationship? What do I need to do differently? How can I recommit? Um, all of that kind of stuff. And so because um, we've been in COVID and we've been in lockdown and, you know, churches aren't open, et cetera, it felt like, I don't know, I kind of missed that kind of reflection on Jesus' sacrifice, on um, on that reconnection, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought today we should go through um, the chapter in Matthew in which it deals with... Calvary and then after we've read that um to read the chapter where Ellen White talks about Desire of and um through that maybe not to have as a replacement for, for communion but at least it will allow us to um really meditate on on Christ's sacrifice um I know before we, we did a, a study on love, which unfortunately w- was before our days of recording, um, in which we read the, the chapter on Gethsemane. Um, and those who were there would understand what I mean um, by this. And those who haven't, I would, I would encourage you to read it. That it is um, incredibly deep. In terms of hearing about Christ's experience through that time. And so um, I thought it would be nice for us to really just take this time to read and reflect. I mean, obviously, we can discuss as we go through, but really just taking time to dig deep, look at this, um, read it, take in what is happening. um, And, you know, maybe after we read the Bible, we can discuss a bit and then we can go on to, um, to, to Desire of Ages. So for those who don't have the app on your phone, you know, just type in on Google, you'll find it um, and it will be chapter 78 that we go to after. right? But for now, we could turn to Matthew 27. And um, we're going to pick up the story in verse 26. So Matthew 27 and verse 26 And we're going to read, we can do two verses each again and read up to 54. Um, But before we do so, you know, I like context. So, where are we currently? Like, when we pick it up in verse 26 of chapter 27, who knows where we are currently within this ordeal that Christ is going through?
2: Just before this, um, Jesus um, was placed before Pilate, I believe, and we basically see the people um, are, are are wanting his blood as opposed to Barabbas, mm. and then it just picks up from there in verse 26.
0: Cool. Right. So to go even further back, just for a little bit more context, right, we... we see jesus getting um, arrested in the garden of gethsemane right um he then goes and is put before the sanhedrin and you know they they question him and all, all, all the rest of it um and then he goes in front um of i think pilate first then herod then back to pilate um Obviously, within this, Judas dies, um, commits um, suicide. Among this, Peter denies Christ three times before the crow um, crows twice, I think, or just before the cock crows. And so, all of this is happening, right? So, Christ has been beaten, been in jail, you know, people have denied him, all the rest of it. Um, his friends that you know the people who have been with him through the last three years of his ministry three and a half years of his ministry have have either run away denied him killed themselves you know this is this is where Jesus is at this point point. and as Michael said, we pick up the story just after he's been on trial um, with Barabbas and the people um, want Barabbas to to live and Jesus to die right so yeah if we could read from verse
4: 26
2: Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flocked, and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hell, kill king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gal, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. (laughs) From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he is calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks blew, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that that had happened they were terrified and exclaimed surely this was the son of God
0: Perfect. there's a little um, and I might quote here from steps to Christ it says the spotless son of God took up upon himself the burden of sin he who had been one with God felt in his soul the awful separation that sin makes between God and man This rung from his lips, the anguishing cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was a burden of sin, the sense of its terrible enormity, of its separation of the soul from God. It was this that broke the heart of the Son of God. Now, after reading that, what do do you guys think, what do you guys feel
5: Um, it makes me think of just how simply it's just choices that Jesus made every time that he was um, abused by the Romans, whatever was happening, it, he made a conscious decision that he was going to continue to follow his father in heaven. And I think that's what brings it back to us is that it's our choices that can lead us into which direction, just when God says, do this or do that, it's the choice that we make.
6: Mm. I like the way that Sasha just said that, because it's kind of like, for us, like, when we're we're applying it to us, it's just this idea that there's not like a switch that gets flicked at first, at least. It's like, you're you're not struggling anymore, but it's literally a case of every time a temptation comes up. You're making a conscious decision to still follow God and still move forward like that. But yeah,
2: that's my point. Um, it reminds me of that text in Romans. Um, I can't remember how it goes completely, but it's something like if we are heirs of God um, and co heirs with Christ we need to share in the sufferings in order that we can share in his glory as well. Something, something along those lines, I think it was Romans mm. 8, but yeah, just that idea, like we just see what Jesus is going through, like through, 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 through all those, um, through um, Romans 26 or no, 27. And it's just like, wow, like it requires a relationship with God to be able to do that. And it's like, we see that Jesus is someone that always had spent time with God, like in his earthly ministry and um, to prepare him for this moment at hand. And I guess it's just like, in order to stand for what you believe in, in order to truly like stand for something, um, you, you do need to believe it. You do need to trust it. You do need to have a relationship with it. And Jesus trusted God till the end, till, till his work was completed on the cross. And God requires the same from us as well.
4: Hmm.
0: For sure. I think for me, it, um, it is a bit, it's, it's humbling, I think. Um, and it's, it's hard to think that every single time I sin, um, it caused Christ that. And everything in his mind throughout, His going, so, so they, they ridiculed him, they beat him, they whipped him. And when we talk about like the lashings, right, it's not just a whip. This is like with glass and nails and stones and all that inside the whip, yeah. So every time it hits you, like chunks of flesh are coming out. So much so, they pressed the thorn into his, into, his, into his head and then mocked him, saying, here is Jesus, King of the Jews. At that point, they put his cross on his back and told him, go on then, carry it up the hill. Then obviously nailing the nails into his hands, into his wrists, into his feet. Like, to think someone went through that so I could carry on with my foolishness. Um, it's it's It hits home. It hits home. Um, does anyone else have any other points before we...
1: Just before you move on that... I want to say, as we, as Michael was reading, and I was listening to the story, for the first time, as I've listened to this story, I had almost an indescribable feeling of loneliness. And I was wondering how that must have felt for Jesus being in that position, because obviously, it says more so that he didn't really die so much of the pain or the suffering, but because he was disconnected from God.
0: For sure. Yeah, there's words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All right, so, um, yeah, you wanna, yeah, go for it.
5: I see it as well as that, um, you imagine your entire life, you know you're different from everyone else, and, I suppose it's knowing, how do I explain it? You know that everything, imagine if you know everything that you're doing, how Jesus, everything he did, it wasn't like everyone else. And so his entire life, he's different. But at this one point where the only person he could hold on to was God. The only person that he talked to and had that relationship with that understood what he was going through, understood what his job was. And he comes to the end, and as um, we're saying, giving his life, suffering as he did. And it's like there is no, what Daniel was saying about loneliness, it's like you've lived in times where you felt lonely, and the one person that you had your strength from, you feel like you've lost them as well. And when they talk about Jesus dying from a broken heart, it's, yeah, it's just, we don't ever have to experience that.
0: Yeah, deep, All right. Um, so yeah, if we could get um, Desire of Ages up, um, chapter seventy-eight, if we label Calvary, um, and that this the chapter is based on what we just read, right? And obviously there is accounts of the same story, about all of the Gospels. Um, I thought it would be I. Oh, I was wondering whether we should stop after each chapter, after each paragraph or whether we should just read through the whole thing. Um, I'm happy to do either. But I think maybe if we read and then if if anyone does want to stop, then um, feel free to to jump in. Um, And if not, then um, we can talk at the end. Um, But if we could do one one paragraph each. Um, just let me know when you guys are, are there. What is it again? Um, Desire of Ages, chapter seventy-eight. It'll be labeled Calvary. If you don't have the app, then you, you know you can Google it or. FS online. We good? Is from there?
3: Here.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll start with the first one. It's a, it's a short one to start. So, I'll start. And then um, just jump in when you ready. So And um, when they would come to the place which is called Calvary, there they sacrificed,
1: they crucified him. That he might sanctify the people with his own blood, Christ suffered without the gate for the For transgression of the law of God, Adam and Eve were banished from Eden. Christ, our substitute, was to suffer without the boundaries of Jerusalem. He died outside the gate, where felons and murderers were executed. Full of significance are the words, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us.
6: A vast multitude followed Jesus from the judgment hall to Calvary. The news of his condemnation had spread throughout Jerusalem, and people of all classes and ranks flocked toward the place of crucifixion. The priests and rulers had been bound by a promise not to molest Christ's followers if he himself were delivered to them. And the disciples and believers from the city and the surrounding region joined the throng that followed the Savior.
1: I just want to jump in here. It says, obviously, loads of people went just to see Jesus. And Jesus is there fully knowing and looking and understanding that these people don't care what he's doing is for their sake. Hmm.
5: As Jesus passed the gate of Pilate's court, the cross which had been prepared for Bar- um, Barabbas was laid upon his bruised and bleeding shoulders. The companions of Barabbas were to suffer death at the same time with Jesus, and upon them also crosses were placed. The Savior's burden was too heavy for him in his weak and suffering condition. Since the Passover supper with his disciples, he had taken neither food or drink. He had agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane in conflict with satanic agencies. He had endured the anguish of the betrayal and had seen his disciples forsake him and flee. He had been taken to Annas, then in Caiaphas, and then to Pilate. From Pilate he had been sent to Herod, that sent again to Pilate. From insult to renewed insult, from mockery to mockery, twice tortured by the scourge, all the night... All that night, there had been scene after scene of a character to try the soul of man to the utmost. Christ had not failed. He had spoken no word but that God, but that tended to glorify God. All through the disgraceful farce of trial, he had borne himself with firmness and dignity. But when, after the second scourging, the cross was laid upon him, human nature could bear no more. He fell fainting beneath the burden.
3: The crowd that followed the saviour saw his weak and staggering steps, but they manifested no compassion. They taunted and revealed him because he could not carry the heavy cross. Again the burden was laid upon him, and again he felt fainting to the ground. His persecutors that it was impossible for him to carry his burden further. They were puzzled to find anyone who would bear the humiliating load. The Jews themselves could not do this because the defilement would prevent them from keeping the Passover. None, of, none even on the wait, none even of the mob that um, that followed him was due to bear the cross. Um,
2: I was just gonna say like, I never actually, it says, it mentions how the two companions of Barabbas, like I never actually related the two thieves maybe. I'm not sure if that's referencing the two thieves or not. I'm not sure if anyone noticed that
0: yeah I believe it is um, I believe it is referencing the two thieves yeah. which is yeah it's, it's an That's interesting um, thing
2: because yeah, yeah I, I guess it shows like two points of view one one person I, I think they were obviously expecting maybe Barabbas to <laughs> be crucified with them so it's kind of like you have one one thief who has the view of like revolution through violence and stuff and then the other thief who's you know working it out in his mind in terms of like Yo, the re- this revolution, this, you know, this kingdom that's happening, it's not gonna be a physically established one. Um, and that's why he chose to believe in Jesus and that's why he was saved as well. So That's quite interesting in terms mm. of that dynamic, the Barabbas.
0: I think it's also amazing to, to, to clock that Jesus had not eaten since the Passover with the disciples, right? And he went through the whole experience in Gethsemane, being arrested to Annas, then to Caiaphas, then to Pilate, got beat there, then to Herod, then back to Pilate, got beat again. Through the whole things with, the, with, the, um, with Peter um, denying him and all of the, the crowd wanting um, Barabbas instead of him, I'm now carrying up to the cross. He has had no food. And yet every single thing he did, everything he said,
1: was trying to glorify God. I That's think this is where we see the, the difference in character versus human nature because obviously the desire of ages just said at the time, he, all of this is his willpower, his character, because he said no word but that which glorifies God. And then eventually... After his body's been through all of this, all the suffering, they put the cross on him. And even as he attempted to walk, he fell down faint. His human side could endure no more, literally. And it wasn't that at this point he did anything wrong. but there was nothing else he could do. And he still, even still in this time, he didn't say anything bad against God.
0: So to continue it says, at this time a stranger, Simon, a Serenian, came coming in from the country, meets the throng. He hears the taunts and the ribaldry of the crowd. He hears the words, compentiously repeating, make way for the king of the Jews. He stops in astonishment at the scene, and he expresses his compassion. They seize him and place the cross upon his shoulders.
2: Simon had heard of Jesus. His sons were believers in the Saviour, but he himself was not a disciple. The bearing of the cross to Calvary was a blessing to Simon, and he was ever after grateful for this providence. It led him to take upon himself the cross of Christ from choice and ever cheerfully stand beneath its burden.
5: Not a few women are in the crowd that follow the uncondemned to his cruel death. Their attention is fixed upon Jesus. Some of them have seen him before. Some have carried to him their sick and suffering ones. Some of themselves been healed. The story of the scenes that have taken place is related. They wonder at the hatred of the crowd toward him for whom their own hearts are melting and ready to break. And notwithstanding the action of the maddened throng and the angry words of the priests and the rulers, rulers, these women give expression to their sympathy. As Jesus falls fainting beneath the cross, they break forth into mournful wailing. This was the only thing that attracted Christ's attention. Although full of suffering while bearing the sins of the world, he was not indifferent to the expression of grief. He looked upon these women with tender compassion. They were not believers in him. He knew that they were not lamenting him as one sent from God, but were moved by feelings of human pity. He did not despise their sympathy, but it awakened in his heart a deeper sympathy for them. Daughters of Jerusalem, he said, weep not for me but weep for yourselves and for your children. From the scene before him, Christ looked forward at the time of Jerusalem's destruction. In that terrible scene, many of those who are now weeping for him were to perish with their children.
0: From the fall of Jerusalem, the thoughts of Jesus passed to a wider judgment. In the destruction of the impenitent city, He saw a symbol of the final destruction to come upon the world. He said, then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For they do these things in in a green tree. What shall be done in the dry? By the green tree, Jesus represented himself, the innocent Redeemer. God suffered his wrath against transgression to fall on his beloved son. Jesus was to be crucified for the sins of men. What suffering then would the sinner bear to continue in his sin? All the impenitent and unbelieving would know a sorrow and misery that language would fail to express.
7: Of the multitude that followed the Saviour to Calvary, many had attended him with joyful hosannas and waving of palm branches as he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. But not a few who had then shouted his praise, praise because it was popular to do so, now swelled the cry of crucify crucify him. When Christ rode into Jerusalem, the hopes of the disciples had been raised to the highest pitch. They had pressed close about their master, feeling that it was a high honour to be connected with him. Now in his humiliation, they followed him at a distance. They were filled with grief and bowed down with disappointed hopes. How were the words of Jesus verified? All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will my the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be gathered aboard Matthew 26, 31
5: You know what keeps coming to my mind is that um it's in, it's in John 1 verse, I think it's 1 to 3 Talking about how when, because the world did not know God When we are following Christ, they're not going to really know us as well They're not going to understand some of the things we're doing You see how the crowd was so easy just to jump on any, whatever everyone else was thinking about someone, their opinions were swayed so easily. It just reminds me of the end of the time, Mm -hmm. how even from now, one thing that pops on the news, everyone's on it, everyone's, (laughs) it's like they've known the person, everyone's so adamant that this is true or that's not true. When you don't know the person, you don't know anything of the situation, is how that's the world is as well today. People are so easily their mindset of of things is so quickly changed and how you can't go about what the world is going on, what the news says. You have to, especially if we're gonna be the ones going to be persecuted, you can't be going on what other people say. You have to go with the strength of Christ, knowing that maybe your friend, your good friend that you thought we might be there for you might not be there for you. Um, but just sticking with Christ.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, when he references Matthew, Matthew twenty six verse 31, he smite the shepherd; the sheep will scatter. It's almost like a litmus test of like the true believer, as opposed to like people that just hope to get something from Christianity. Like being a Christian, it's 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 a life of sacrifice, and a lot of the time, it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get comfortable in the churches. It's easy to get comfortable in the routine and not do more because you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. But, you know, mm-hmm. God, God mm-hmm. requires us to live a life of sacrifice. Um, not like, you know, not the idea like, oh, like woes me, like I need to be on my, like wailing and crying all the time. But it's just the idea that like we, we're servants, we, we, we live a life of mm-hmm. service. And that's, that is our responsibility.
0: Okay, so um, next next paragraph. Arriving at the place of execution, the prisoners were bound to the instruments of torture. The two thieves wrestled in the hands of those who placed them on the cross, but Jesus made no resistance. The mother of Jesus, made um, the mother of Jesus, supported by John the beloved disciple, had followed the steps of her son to Calvary. She had seen him fainting under the burden of the cross and had longed to place a supporting hand beneath his wounded head and to bathe that brow which was once pit, had been pillowed upon her bosom. But she was not permitted this mournful privilege. With the disciples, she still cherished the hope that Jesus would manifest his power and deliver himself from his enemies. Again, her heart would sink as she recalled the words in which he had foretold the very scenes that were then taking place. As the thieves were bound to the cross, she looked upon on with agonizing suspense. Would he have, who had given life to the dead suffer himself to be sacrificed, crucified? Would the son of God suffer himself to be thus cruelly slain? Must she give up her faith that Jesus was the Messiah? Must she witness um, his shame and sorrow without even the privilege of ministering to him in his distress? She saw his hands stretched upon the cross, the hammer and the nails were brought, and as spikes were driven through the tender flesh, the heart-stricken disciples bore away from the cruel scene and fainting from um, fainting form of the mother of Jesus
4: the Savior made no murmur of, of complaint his face remained calm and serene but great drops of sweat stewed upon his brow there was no pity there was no pitying hand to wipe the death dew from his face, nor words of sympathy and unchanging fidelity to stay his human heart. While the soldiers were doing their fearful work, Jesus prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. His mind passed from his own suffering to the scene of his prosecutors and from his prosecutors and the terrible retribution that would be theirs. No curses were called down upon the soldiers who were handling them so roughly. No vengeance was invoked upon the priests or the rulers who were gloating over the accomplishment of their purpose. Christ pitied them in their ignorance and guilt. He breathed only a plea for their forgiveness, for they do not know what they did. one paragraph for each. Oh. Uh, yeah. okay. Had they not known, had they, had they known that they were putting to torture one who had come to save their sinful race from eternal ruin, they would have seized with remorse and horror. But their ignorance did not remove their guilt, for it was their privilege to know and accept Jesus as their savior. Some of them would yet to, would yet see their sin and repent and be converted. Some, by their penitence, would make it an impossibility for the prayer of Christ to be answered for them. Yet, just the same, God's purpose was reaching its fulfillment. Jesus was earning the right to become the advocate of men in the the father's presence.
5: That prayer of Christ for his enemies embraced the world. It took in every sinner that had lived or should live from the beginning of the world to the end of time upon all rest, the guilt of crucifying the son of God to all forgiveness is freely offered. Whoever will, May have peace with God and inherit eternal life.
2: As soon as Jesus was nailed to the cross, it was lifted by strong men, and with great violence thrust into and with great violence thrust into the place prepared for it. This caused the most intense agony to the Son of God. Pilate then wrote an inscription in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, and placed it upon the cross, above the head of Jesus. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This inscription irritated the Jews. In Pilate's court, they had cried, Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. They had declared that whoever should acknowledge any other king was a traitor. Pilate wrote out the sentiment they had expressed. No offense was mentioned, except that Jesus was the king of the Jews. The inscription was a virtual acknowledgement of the allegiance of the Jews to the Roman power. It declared that whoever might claim to be the king of Israel would be judged by them worthy of death. The priests had overreached themselves. When they were plotting the death of Christ, Gavias had declared it expedient that one man should die to save the nation. Now their hypocrisy was revealed in order to destroy Christ, They had been ready to sacrifice even their national existence.
5: The priests saw what they had done and asked Pilate to change the inscription. They said, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. But Pilate was angry with himself because of his former weakness, and he thoroughly despised the jealous and artful priests and rulers. He replied coldly, what I have written, I have written.
0: A higher power than Pilate or the Jews had directed the placing of the inscription above the head of Jesus. In the providence of God, it was to awaken thought and investigation of the scriptures. The place where Christ was crucified was near to the city. Thousands of people from all lands were then at Jerusalem, and the inscription declaring Jesus of Nazareth the Messiah would come to their notice. It was a living truth transcribed by the hand by a hand that God had guided.
6: In the sufferings of Christ upon the cross, prophecy was fulfilled. Centuries before the crucifixion, the Saviour had foretold the treatment he was to receive. He said, Dogs have come past me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm 22, 16 to 18. The prophecy concerning his garments was carried out without counsel or interference from the friends or the enemies of the crucified ones. To the soldiers who had placed him upon the cross, his clothing was given. Christ heard the men's contention as they parted the garments among them. His tunic was woven throughout without seam, And they said, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be.
5: In another prophecy, the Savior declared, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gore for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Psalm 69, 20 and 21. To those who suffered by death, suffered death by the cross, it was permitted to give a stupefying potion to deaden the sense of pain. This was offered to Jesus, but when he had tasted it, he refused it. He would receive nothing that could becloud his mind. His faith must keep fast upon God. This was his only strength. To becloud his senses would give Satan an advantage.
2: The enemies of Jesus vented their rage upon him as he hung upon the cross. Priests, rulers, and scribes joined with the mob in mocking the dying Savior. At the baptism and at the transfiguration, the voice of God had been heard proclaiming Christ as his son. Again, just before Jesus Christ's betrayal, the Father had spoken, witnessing to his divinity. But now the voice from heaven was silent. No testimony in Christ's favor was heard. Alone, he suffered abuse and mockery wicked men
0: if thou be the son of god they said come down from the cross let him save himself if he be christ the chosen of god in the wilderness of temptation satan had declared if thou be the son of god command that these stones be made bread if thou be the son of god cast thyself down from the pinnacle of the temple and Satan, with his angels in human form, was present, was present at the cross. The arch fiend and his hosts were cooperating with the priests and rulers. The teachers of the people had stimulated the ignorant mob to pout, um, pronounce judgment against one upon whom many of them had never looked until urged to bear testimony against him. Priests, rulers, Pharisees, and the hardened rabble were confederated together in a satanic frenzy. Religious rulers united with Satan and his angels. They were doing his bidding.
4: Jesus suffering and dying heard Jesus suffering and dying, heard every word as the priest declared, He saved others himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe Christ could make Christ could have come down from the cross, but it is because he would not save himself, that the sinner has hope of pardon and favor with God. In mockery of the Saviour, the men who professed to be the expounders of prophecy were repeating the very words which inspiration had foretold that would utter upon this occasion. Yet in their blindness, they did not see that they were fulf- fulfilling the prophecy. Those who in desertion, the uttered these words, he trusted in God let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. They too thought that their testimony would sound down the ages. But although spoken in mockery, these words led men to search the scriptures as they had never done before. Wise men heard and searched, pondered and prayed. There were those who never rested until by comparing the scripture with scripture. They saw the meaning of Christ's mission. Never before was there, never before was there such a general knowledge of Jesus, as when he hung upon the cross. Into the hearts of many who beheld the crucifixion scene, and who ha- who heard Christ's words, the light of truth was shining.
7: To in his agony on the cross, there came one gleam of comfort. It was the prayer of the penitent thief. Both the men who were crucified with Jesus had at first rallied upon him, and one under his suffering only became more desperate and defiant. But not so with his companion. This man was not a hardened criminal. He had been led astray by evil associations but he was less guilty than many of those who stood beside the cross, rather than the Saviour. He had seen and heard Jesus and had been convicted by his teaching, but he had been turned away from him by the priests and rulers, seeking to die for conviction. He had plunged deeper and deeper into sin until he was arrested tried as a criminal and condemned to die on the cross. In the judgment hall and on the way to Calvary, he had been in company with Jesus. He had heard Pilate declare, I find no fault in him. John 19 verse 4. He had marked his godlike bearing and his pity and forgiveness of his tormentors. On the cross he sees the many great religious, Religion in it, shoot out the tongue with corn and ridicule the Lord Jesus. He sees the wagging heads. He hears the unbraiding features taken up by his companion in guilt. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Among the passers-by, he hears many defending Jesus. He hears them repeat his words and tell of his work. The conviction comes back to him that this is the Christ. Turning to his fellow criminal, he says, Doth not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? The dying thieves have no longer anything to fear from man, but upon one of them presses the conviction that there is a God to fear, a future to cause him to tremble. And now all sin polluted as it is. His life his, his life history is about to close, and we indeed justly he mine, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss.
1: Why, why, why?
7: There is no
6: question now. There are no doubts, no reproaches. When condemned for his crime, the thief had been hopeless and despairing. But strange, tender thoughts now spring up. He calls to mind all he has heard of Jesus, how he he has healed the sick and pardoned sin. He has heard the words of those who believed in Jesus and followed him weeping. He has seen and read the title above the Saviour's head, he has heard the passers by repeater, some with grieved, quivering lips, others with jesting and mockery. The Holy Spirit illuminates his mind, and little by little, the chain of evidence is joined together. In Jesus, bruised, mocked, and hanging upon the cross, he sees the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Hope is mingled with anguish in his voice as a helpless dying soul. Cast himself upon a dying saviour. Lord, remember me, he cries, when thou comest into thy kingdom.
3: Quickly the answer came, soft and melodious the tone, full of love, compassion and power. The words, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise.
4: For long hours of agony revealing and mockery have fallen upon the ears of Jesus as he hangs as he hangs upon the cross, they float up to him still sounds of jeers and curses with longing hearts he has listened to some he has listened for some expression of faith from his disciples. He has heard only a mournful words. We trusted that it had been he which should have been redeemed Israel. How grateful then to the Savior was the utterance of faith and love from the dying thief. While the leading Jews deny him and even the disciples doubt his divinity, the poor thief upon the brink of eternity he calls jesus lord many were ready to call him lord when he wrought miracles but after he had risen from the grave but none acknowledged him as he hung, hung dying upon a cross to save the penitent thief who was saved at the 11th hour that's deep
0: The bystanders caught the words as the thief called Jesus Lord. The tone of the repentant man arrested their attention. Those who were at the foot of the cross had been quarrelling over Jesus' garments and casting lots upon his vesture, stopped to listen. Their angry tones were hushed. With bated breath they looked upon Christ and waited for the response of those dying lips.
7: As he spoke the words of promise, the dark cloud that seemed to enshroud the cross was pierced by a bright and living light. To the penitent thief came the perfect peace of acceptance with God. Christ in his humiliation was glorified. He who in all other eyes appeared to be conquered was the conqueror. He was acknowledged as the sin bearer. Men may exercise power over his human body. They may pierce his holy temples with the crown of form, They may strip him from his raiment and quarrel over its division, but they cannot rob him of his power to forgive sin. In dying, he bears testimony to his own divinity and to the glory of the Father. His his air is not heavy that it cannot hear, Neither his arm shorten that it cannot save. It is his royal right to save unto the uttermost all who come unto God by him.
5: I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Christ did not promise that the thief should be with him in paradise that day. He himself did not go that day to paradise. He slept in the tomb, and on the morning of the resurrection he said, I am not yet ascended to my father, John 20 verse 17, but on the day of the crucifixion, the day of apparent defeat and darkness, the promise was given, today, while dying upon the cross as a malefactor, Christ assured the poor sinner, thou shalt be with me in paradise.
6: The thieves crucified with Jesus were placed on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. This was done by the direction of the priest and rulers. Christ's position between the thieves was to indicate that he was the greatest criminal of the three. Thus was fulfilled the scripture. He was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53, 12. But the full meaning of the, the act, the priest did not see as Jesus crucified with the thieves was placed in the mist so his cross was placed in the midst of a world lying in sin and the words of pardon spoken to the penitent penitent thief kindled a light that will shine to the earth's remotest bounds
3: With amazement the angels beheld the infinite love of Jesus who suffering the most intense agony of mind and body for only of others and encouraged the penitent I can't say it, told to believe in his um, humiliation. He as a prophet had addressed the daughters of Jerusalem as a priest and advocate. He pleaded with them the father to forgive his murderers. As a loving saviour, he had forgiven the sins of the penitent thief.
5: As the eyes of Jesus wandered over the multitude about him, one figure arrested his attention. At the foot of the cross stood his mother, supported by the disciple John. She could not endure to remain away from her son. And John, knowing that the end was near, had brought her again to their cross. In his dying hour, Christ remembered his mother, looking into her grief-stricken face. And then upon John, he said to her, Woman, behold thy son. Then to John, behold thy mother. John understood Christ's words and accepted the trust. He at once took Mary to his home, and from that hour cared for her tenderly. A pitiful, loving saviour, amid all his physical pain and mental anguish, he had a thoughtful care for his mother. He had no money with him to provide for her comfort, but he was enshrined in the heart of John, and he gave his mother to him as a precious legacy. Thus he provided for her that which which she most needed the tender sympathy of one who loved her because she loved Jesus. And in receiving her as a sacred trust, John was receiving a great blessing. She was a constant reminder of his beloved master.
0: The perfect example of Christ's filial love shines forth with undimmed luster from the mists of ages. For nearly 30 years, Jesus, by his daily toil, had helped bear the burden of the home. And now, even in his last agony, he remembered to provide for his sorrowing widowed mother. The same spirit will be seen in every disciple of our Lord those who follow Christ will feel that it is a part of their religion to respect and provide for their parents. From the heart where his love is cherished, father and mother will never fail to receive thoughtful care and tender sympathy.
4: And now, and now the Lord, and now the Lord of glory was dying, a ransom of the race, in yielding up his precious life, Christ was not upheld by triumphant joy. All was oppressive gloom. It was not the dread of death that weighed upon him. It was not the pain of enormity, enormity, enormity of diacross of the cross that caused his inexpressible agony. Christ was the Prince of sufferers. He was suffering his suffering was from a sense of malignity of sin, a knowledge that through familiarity with evil, man had become blinded by the enormity, His words. Um, Christ saw how deep it is, how deep is the hold of sin upon the human heart, how few would be willing to break from its power. He knew that without the help of God, humanity would perish. Humanity must perish. And he saw multitudes perishing within the reach of man's help.
7: Upon Christ as our substitute and surety was laid the iniquity of us all. He was counted a transgressor that he might redeem us from the condemnation of the law. The guilt of every descendant of Adam was pressing upon his heart. The wrath of God against sin, the terrible manifestations of his displeasure because of iniquity filled the soul of his son with consternation, All his life Christ has been publishing to a fallen world the good news of the Father's mercy and pardoning love. Salvation for the chief of sinners was his theme, but now with the terrible weight of the guilt he bears, he cannot see the Father's reconciling face. The withdrawal of the divine countenance from the Saviour In this hour of supreme anguish pierced his heart with a sorrow that can never be fully understood by man. So great was this agony that his physical pain was hardly felt.
5: Satan, with his fierce temptations, wrung the heart of Jesus. Saviour could not see through the portals of the tomb. Hope did not present to him his coming forth from the grave a conqueror or tell him of the Father's acceptance of the sacrifice. He feared that sin was so offensive to God that their separation was to be eternal. Christ felt the anguish with this, which the sinner will feel when mercy shall no longer plead for the guilty race. It was the sense of sin, bringing the Father's wrath upon him as a man's substitute, that made the cup he drank so bitter and broke the heart of the Son of God.
0: With amazement, angels witnessed the Saviour's despiring agony, despairing agony. The hosts of heaven failed their faces from the fearful sight. Inanimate nature expressed sympathy with its insulted and dying author. The sun refused to look upon the awful scene. Its full, bright rays were illuminating the earth at midday when suddenly it seemed to be blotted out. Complete darkness, like a funeral pool, enveloped the cross. There was darkness over all the land unto the night hour. There, were no, there was no eclipse or other natural cause for this darkness, which was, so, which was, which was as deep as midnight without moon or stars. It was a miraculous testimony given by God that the faith of after generations might be
7: confirmed.
0: In that
6: thick thick darkness, God's presence was hidden. He makes darkness his pavilion and conceals his glory from the human eyes. God and his holy angels were beside the cross. The father was with his son, yet his presence was not revealed. Had his glory flashed forth from the cloud, every human beholder would have been destroyed. And in that dreadful hour, Christ was not to be confronted with the father's presence. He trod the winepress alone and of the people there was none with him.
5: In the thick darkness, God veiled the last human agony of his son. All who had seen Christ in his suffering had been convicted of his divinity. That face, once beheld by humanity, was never forgotten. As the face of Cain expressed his guilt as the murderer, so the face of Christ revealed innocence, serenity, and benevolence. The image of God. But his accusers would not give heed to the signet of heaven. Through long hours of agony, Christ had been gazed upon by jeering multitude. Now he was mercifully hidden by the mantle of God.
7: The silence of the grave seemed to have fallen upon Calvary. A nameless terror held the throng that was gathered about the cross. The cursing and reveling seethed in the midst of the half uttered sentences. Men, women and children fell prostrate upon the earth. Vivid lightnings occasionally flashed forth from the cloud and revealed the cross and the crucified redeemer. Priests, rulers, cries, executioners and the mob all thought that their time of retribution had come. After a while, some whispered that Jesus would now come down from the cross. Some attempted to group their way back to the city, beating their breath and wailing in fear.
3: At the
6: ninth hour, the darkness lifted from the people, but still enveloped the Saviour. It was a symbol of the agony and horror that weighed upon his heart. No eye could pierce the gloom that surrounded the cross, and none could penetrate the deeper gloom that enshrouded the suffering soul of Christ. The angry lightning seemed to be hurled at him as he hung upon the cross. Then Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama Tani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As the outer gloom settled about the Saviour, many voices exclaimed, the vengeance of heaven is upon him. The bolts of God's wrath are hurled at him because he claimed to be the Son of God. Many who believed on him heard his despairing cry, hope left them if God had forsaken Jesus, in what could his followers trust?
0: When the darkness lifted from the oppressed spirit of Christ, he revived to a sense of physical suffering and said, I first. One of the Roman soldiers touched with pity as he looked at the parched lips, took a sponge, on the stalk of hyssop and dipping it in the vessel of vinegar offered it to Jesus. But the priest mocked at his agony. When darkness covered the earth, they were filled with fear as their terror abated. The dread returned that Jesus would yet escape them. His words, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, lama Sabbatonai, they had misinterpreted with bitter contempt and scorn. They said he called the man, This man called it for Elias. The last opportunity to relieve his suffering. They refused. Let be. They said, "Let us see whether Elias will come to save him."
5: The spotless Son of God hung upon the cross. His flesh lacerated with stripes. Those hands so often reached out in blessing, nailed to the wooden bars. Those feet so tireless on ministries of love, spiked to the tree. That loyal head pierced by the crown of thorns. Those quivering lips shaped in shaped to cry of woe. And all that he endured, the blood drops that flowed from his head, his hands, his feet, The agony agony that racked his frame and unutterable anguish that filled his soul at the hiding of his father's face speaks to each child of humanity, declaring, It is for thee that the Son of God consents to bear this burden of guilt. For thee he spoils the domain of death and opens the gates of paradise. He who stilled the angry waves and walked the foam-capped pillows who made devils tremble and disease flee, who opened blind eyes and called forth the dead to life, offers himself upon the cross as sacrifice. And this from love to thee. He, the sin-bearer, endures the wrath of divine justice, and for thy sake becomes sin itself.
7: In silence the beholders watch for the end of the fearful scene, The sun shone forth, but the cross was still enveloped in darkness. Priests and rulers looked toward Jerusalem, and lo the dense cloud that had settled over the city and the plains of Judah. The sun, the sun of righteousness, the light of the world was withdrawing his beam from the once favoured city of Jerusalem. The first lightnings of God's wrath were Directed against the faded sea.
3: Suddenly the gloom lifted from the cross, and in clear, trumpet-like tones that seemed to resound throughout creation, Jesus cried, It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. A light encircled the cross and the face of the Saviour shone with a glory like the sun. He then bowed his head, up, head upon his breast and died.
4: Amid the awful darkness, apparently forsaken of God, Christ had drained the legs, the last dregs in the cup of human war. In those dreadful hours he replied upon the evidence of his father's acceptance. He heretofore given him he was acquainted with the character of his father. He understood his justice, his mercy, his great love. By faith he rested in him who it had ever who it had ever been his joy to obey, as in submission he committed himself to God. The sense of Loss sense of the loss of his father's favor, was with, was withdrawn by faith. Christ was the victor.
0: Never before had uh, had the earth witnessed such a scene. The multitude stood paralyzed, and with bated breath gazed upon the savior. Again, darkness settled upon the earth, and a hoarse rumbling, like heavy thunder, was heard. There was a violent earthquake, The people were shaken together in heaps, the wildest confusion and consternation ensued. In the surrounding mountains, rocks were rent asunder and went crashing down into the plains. Sepulchres were broken um, open and the dead were cast out of their tombs. Creations seemed to be shivering to atoms. Priests, rulers, soldiers, executioners, and people, mute with terror, lay prostrate upon the ground.
7: When the loud cry, it had finished, came from the lift of Christ, the priests were officiating in the temple. It was the hour of the evening sacrifice. The lamb representing Christ had been brought to be slain. Clothed in his significant and beautiful dress, the priest stood with, with lifted knife. Added did Abraham when he was about to lay his son. With intense interest, the people were looking on, but the earth trembles and quakes, for the Lord himself draws near. With a rendering noise, the inner veil of the temple is torn from top to bottom by an unseen hand. Throwing open to the gaze of the multitude, a place once filled with the presence of God. In this place, the Shekinah had dwelt. Here God had manifested his glory above the mercy seat. No one but the high priest ever lifted the veil separating this apartment from the rest of the temple. He entered in once a year to make an atonement for the sins of the people. But lo, this veil is went in twain. The most holy place of the earthly sanctuary is no longer sacred.
1: All is terror and confusion. The priest is about to slay the victim, but the knife drops from his nerveless hand and the lamb escapes. Type has met Antitype in the death of God's Son. The great sacrifice has been made. The way into the holiest is laid open. And a new living way is prepared for all. No longer need need sinful, sorrowing humanity await the coming of the high priest. Henceforth, the Savior was to officiate as priest and advocate in the heaven of heavens. It was as if a living voice had spoken to the worshippers. There is now an end to all sacrifices and offerings for sin. The Son of God is come according to his word. Lo, I come. By his own blood he entereth in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us.
4: Um,
0: What do you guys think?
1: I've read Desire of Ages before, yeah, and I've read it several times. However, I've never read it and had the liberty to think about it in this context, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. I think um, reading something like this would give you slightly mixed emotions because... On one hand, it's like a conquering image of of how Jesus co- ended up conquering sin, but at the same time, it's such a painful struggle of how even at his weakest point, even at this point where he hasn't eaten, been beaten, been carrying his cross, he's had nails in his hands and, and all the crown of thorns on his head and all the rest of it, um, still people are... are Are ridiculing him, still people are saying calm down if you're king of the Jews maybe Elijah will save you and all the rest of it.
5: The words that come to my mind is simply, just for me.
0: Yeah.
6: For real. I love the paragraphs where it was talking about the the thief on the cross. Well, those two. But when it was talking about the thief on the cross, actually Repented because this guy knew his life was over. Um, but his mind was active. And he didn't stop his mind from actually going and collecting the evidence. And weighing up that this is actually the son of God. And the other way to think of this is... You know, I this let, let, let's not pretend this... This account wasn't being, it, it wasn't pulling punches where it was saying that Jesus had no support. Like even 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 in that part where he gives he gives his mother to John, and he gives John to his mother. There's no like acknowledgement that John understood what was going on, like and what and what everything was about. And these are the people that Jesus was with. These are the people that knew him the best and even then they didn't necessarily understand what was going on. And so the idea that Jesus got to see one person that was kind of like preparing to walk through the door of salvation that was about to open, that's a little bit mad. Um,
2: I like the paragraph where it talks about the angels amazement Um, so it's the idea that jesus is on the cross now um, and like his mission's almost complete and i'm sure that the angels realize this and they're like this is like this is yeah the plan of salvation is now enacted it's now like rolling but at the same time it's like at what cost do you know what i mean like they're seeing Mm. they're seeing their king they're seeing this person that was so beautiful, just now on the cross, now beaten, shamed, being spat at. In such, seeing someone you care about or someone you look up to in such an almost compromising position, it, it must have hurt. It must have hurt. And yeah, it's definitely, you can imagine like the mixture of emotions, like, yes, victory. We had a victory today, but at the same time, it's like it came at like at such a great cost at the same time. So it's interesting, Ellen White describing the experience of the angels, uh, seeing this actually take place. You see
1: what you just said, Michael, it's just made me think of all these mothers that have been suffering for this Black Lives Matter movement. yeah. And I've just only now had the ability to compare that they're suffering, even though it's nothing is comparable to what obviously God went through in this moment because God knows this is for the greater good. He knows it's going to have effect. But the pain and the loss is is still so mad. And if this is how Jesus is feeling, we can't even begin to imagine how his father is feeling. I
0: think this is the first time in all of history And all of eternity that they've ever been separate. Actually, this is the first time Jesus has ever felt like he didn't know where the Father was. He he didn't know. Didn't know what was going to happen next. Didn't know that he would rise again. Didn't just.
4: And it was just dark. Like, at
0: what point do we look at this and say, it's, it's time to take this whole thing a bit more seriously? It's time to, you know, after reading that, be like, you know what, Jesus went for enough. Like, he went for enough. I don't, like, you know, there's all this stuff going on in life and we get distracted and. You know, um, things are difficult to overcome and all the rest of it, but are we really taking it
4: seriously?
6: Was is there, is there any other
0: comments? No, okay. Um, Sasha, could you pray for us to please? Mm-hmm.
5: Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the sacrifice that you have, that you gave up for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that even though we have gone through the Desire Ages, um, chapter 78 today, Lord, I pray that you'll continue to help us to be reminded of each day. Because when we forget what you've done for us, we tend to go our own way. We tend to go astray. We tend to take for granted what you've done for us, Lord. But I pray that we will not continue to take it for granted, but we'll remember the sacrifice you've given to us and that any sacrifice we give up here on earth will will be cheap enough for be a small thing compared to what you have done for us thank you for the sacrifice you have given thank you that you made that choice to save each and every one of us that you chose to live a life of suffering and of sacrifice simply and of selflessness simply so that we can have life eternally every time lord that the enemy may bring will bring those temptations that will be reminded of lord of what you've done for us that we can overcome because you have overcome that anything adversity that may happen, Lord, we can say that Jesus has paid the price for me. Jesus has gone through this before. So I can trust in him. I can put my trust in him. I can get through this too. As this is your Sabbath day, Lord, I pray that we'll continue to rest in the way you'd have us to. But as we go through this week, we'll not forget the things we've learned today. We'll go through the week remembering because you'll bring it back to our memory. Help us in every situation to call upon you because you're waiting to help in every um, adversity and every temptation. Help us to be reminded to call upon you, Lord, because you are to be our friend, our father, and our king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Have a blessed day, everyone.